Hello and welcome to today's episode of The Sewing Room. We're up to episode 7, recorded on Friday the 27th of May. I'm Vicky Hibbins and I am the designer and owner of Bishy Barna Babes, who also brings you this podcast. On today's podcast, I'm going to be giving you the latest Bishy Barna Babes news. That's the pattern releases that's just come out and also some upcoming information about the designer's pairs challenge talking about interfacing and stabiliser with you and of course what I've been up to and sewing in my sewing room. I have finally managed to upload the video of me opening my, no it's not an overlocker, my cover stitch and my new sewing machine. It took me a while to get that up onto YouTube and also then onto the website. It was a little bit longer and bigger than I expected and I could only do it when the Wi-Fi was really, really good as it was taking too long and cutting out otherwise. But it is finally there. Not the best video of me, but hopefully you have, if you've gone over to watch that video, it's more because you'd like to see the machines that I was getting and less about seeing me because mainly my head was chopped off at the top of the video. I positioned the um, my camera as far away as possible as I could. We are in a small house in England although I have to say big bigger than some um, properties in England. It's still pretty small by a lot of places around the world and so it was quite difficult to one find a space where I could actually sit with the machines and not have to keep moving them too much and also find a place where I could position the camera. So I did the best that I could and I'm sorry about the quality but hopefully you might enjoy watching it and if not don't worry it's fine. So got that up on the website The latest Bishy Barnababes news as far as patterns go is that I have just released four new patterns. They're over on my Etsy shop, which you can get to directly in Etsy searching for Bishy Barnababes or via the Bishy Barnababes website. I'll put links in the show notes again so you can get to those directly. And following on from the ballerina applique pattern that I released, these are four more applique patterns. We have... Mermaid Millie, Princess Page, Fairy Fiona and Cool as Ice. The first three are the sort where you have a um, character with a head that you can put on something and there's also the headless variety so that you can put that onto a top that the child is wearing and the child's head becomes part of the design so they are the fairy or the mermaid or one of those. The other um, set is the cool as ice and that has ice creams, ice lollies, popsicles, um, ice pops, ice poles, whatever you call them in your part of the world, as I've discovered that they do seem to have different names in in different places. And hence the reason that I didn't include ice lollies as part of the title, because I thought actually that could be confusing if you live somewhere else and you're not used to calling them ice lollies. And as well as the, the ice lollies themselves, both scalloped versions and stripy versions, plain versions, ones with a bite out the corner. I've also included sunglasses, an eye patch and a moustache for if you want to have a pirate ice cream or ice lolly. And I have to say the children that have received these on the tops that their mums have been making have been really pleased with them. And they look great as we're coming into summer as a fun thing to add to your children's clothes. There is a sale on those at the moment. There is a coupon code called Applique, A-P-P-L-I-Q-U-E, and that will give you 20% off anything actually in the Bishy Barna Babes um, shop up until 
um, Sunday the 29th, that's when that coupon code expires. There's also some additional coupon codes where the more you buy, the more you save. There's one for if you buy three things, then you can save more money or five things. And I'll put the codes for those in the show notes as well. They're also on the Bishy Barnabas blog. They're in the Bishy Barnabas Patterns group on Facebook, on the Bishy Barnabas Pattern Bishy Barnababes Facebook page. So there's various places where you can get hold of those coupon codes. Unfortunately, on the first poster that I created with all the photos of different designs that the testers had done and the information on the codes, I had unfortunately put the same code for the three patterns and the five patterns. So if you've seen that one, the five patterns, the three needs to be replaced with a five so that you can get that um, savings if you buy five patterns. And again, it can be any five patterns that's on the site, excluding bundles that have already been reduced as they've already been put together to make a bundle for you. As well as the patterns, what comes with each of them is a 12-page tutorial. For people who might not have done free, me- free motion applique before, I'm really sorry, I seem to be getting so tongue-tied today. I've got a really small window where I can actually record this before I've got to go and pick Bryony up for Montessori. So I can't do any, out, um, any retakes. And I think because of that, unfortunately, my brain is making more mistakes than if I could just stop it and record something again. But I'm going to play on and I'm sorry about that for you. So there is a 12-page tutorial. It includes all the information that you would need for how to free machine stitch with your sewing machine and how to free machine applique or FMA as it's sometimes abbreviated to. So if you are completely new or you've tried it before and like a bit more information, that comes with it. Loads of photos and lots and lots of information. Many of my testers who tested these patterns had never tried free machine applique before and have now become completely hooked and addicted as they've realised how quickly they can achieve great results, use up scraps of fabric and create something that children are really, really loving. In fact, um, in families where there are boys as well as girls, the boys have been getting a bit upset, if you like, that the girls seem to be getting all these lovely new clothes, um, all these designs on on either bought T-shirts or T-shirts that the the testers are making. And these girls are getting things that they're loving and the boys have been a bit like, oh, I really want something too. So although the cool as ice can be for boys or girls, I have also got another pattern now in testing called Dudley the Dinosaur which will be coming out next week hopefully so keep an eye out for that if you've got any boys that love dinosaurs or girls too. One of the testers is talking about making a nice pink dinosaur because often girls love dinosaurs as much as boys and so that's something that you need to keep an eye out for which will be coming soon. So last week was spent testing these patterns. I love the whole testing process, although there's some bits about it that are rather scary. I love working with others around the world. It's been great having testers in America, in Australia, as well as the UK. I love seeing the different fabrics that people use. And when people first start to post photos in the testing group, even if it's just the initial stages, it's great to see the things that I've designed coming to life and for other people to be creating great things with them as well. So that's one of the things I really love about it. 
I do find it a little bit scary, as I mentioned. When you put a pattern out there, even in a testing group, it's quite scary when people first download it and start working with it. You really worry, um, is it going to make sense? Is it okay? Will people love it or hate it? You assume that they won't hate it as they have volunteered to test and have seen um, at least an example or have some idea about what it is that they're going to be doing. But it's always really nerve wracking when, when people first get get it and it's always really worrying that they might suddenly discover that it's really awful and hate it. Most people even if they've found a few things are still very positive and it's been great to work with all the different testers that I've been working with in this round of testing and also the testing in the past. There are things that obviously you have to learn as you go through the process And sometimes it's the people who are finding it more tricky that actually give you an idea of what it would be like if somebody was completely new to this. And I want my patterns to be accessible to beginners as well as to seasoned sewers. And so want things to make sense the best that I can. And that's quite helpful that I'm then able to see where the difficulties are in the pattern that that people need extra clarification of or extra photos or things like that. So I'd like to give a big thank you to all my testers that have worked with me. Thank you so much. I really couldn't do this without you. One of the things about free motion applique is that it can be added to knits, uh, fabric as well as woven. And one of the things that we're really noticing is that it can be used to enhance otherwise plain knit fabric. I don't know about where you are in the world, but here in the UK, getting really lovely designs on knit fabric can be very, very expensive. Often it's through specialist Facebook groups that you can access that. Um, The local sewing shop that's in Norwich has got some great knit fabric, but the range is limited and there are some lovely designs, but there's not a huge range of designs and they're very expensive. And even plain knit fabric can be expensive, whereas you can get a stretch T-shirt from in the UK somewhere like Primark, which is a lot, lot cheaper than buying fabric by the yard particularly if you were buying it in a fabric shop or by the meter I should say as they sell in meters here in the UK so it's been great to be able to take something pretty plain and then be able to enhance it with the free motion applique talking of which Um, Not next week, but the week after, the Sweaty Bettys, one of their challenges is going to be what they're calling designer pairs. And this is where a a mentor on Sweaty Bettys is paired up with an aspiring designer. The aspiring designer lets the mentor have a pattern of theirs and then the mentor needs to coordinate it with one of their patterns and sew up both items. Obviously then the mentor is having a chance to sew up something that the aspiring designer has done and I guess if they needed help in any way they'd be able to but I'm looking forward to taking part in that and me and Lauren Wernley. I'm sorry, Lauren, if I'm mispronouncing your surname. I've only seen it written down. And as it's an Australian name, it's not one that I've come across here in the UK. But we are going to be pairing up together. She 
um, is the designer at Sew by Pattern Pieces and had one of her patterns out last week in the Sweaty Betty's Aspiring Designers Challenge. She's also been one of my testers this time and it's been great working with her and getting to know her more and she's produced some amazing things with the with the patterns that she has and also using the, the free motion applique patterns that I've had coming out recently. And we're going to be working together and will be featured on the Sweaty Betty's blog on Tuesday the 7th of June. So that's a little bit away away, but probably there won't be another podcast before then. So I wanted to share that with you now. So make sure that you head over there around about that date so that you will be able to see what we've been producing. And obviously we'll also have blog posts on our own blogs. So check that out as well. I'm very excited to start work on the patterns that she sent me and also adding my own patterns to those. Not going to give too much away right now as to what I'm going to be doing. So you'll have to keep an eye out and look for that later on. The product focus this podcast is going to be interfacing versus stabiliser. Both of these things are used in the free motion applique patterns that I produce. And there does seem to be some confusion between them in the sewing world particularly when do you use which one for and all of that sort of thing. So I thought I would share my thoughts on it and perhaps might clear up some confusion for some of you. The biggest difference is that interfacing is left in and stabiliser is removed. So if what you are, when you are adding this, these products to your item, if you want it to stay in and not be removed, then you want to make sure you're using you're using interfacing and the stabilizer will be later removed before wearing or using the item. Talking about interfacing comes in different thicknesses all the way from being very, very lightweight, lightweight to being very, very sturdy. I've heard of like pelmet. Um, interfacing which you can use if you're doing like the decorative parts at the top of a set of curtains the part that doesn't close but you add fabric to and it's very very sturdy all the way through as I said to the really really lightweight it can be woven or non-woven and can also come in fusible an iron-on variety or one that doesn't iron on so already there is a huge range of interfacings that you can get Usually in a pattern, it will tell you what sort of thickness you need and you can obviously feel it, handle it if you're buying it from a shop and feel whether it's got the right kind of flexibility, thinking about where it is that you're going to be putting it on the garment. It's particularly used to give structure in things like cuffs and collars. It's also used in plaquettes. I like adding it under buttons even if it's not been asked for in a pattern in a plaquette because I find that if I'm using and stitching buttonholes with my machine it tends to pull the stitches too tight if it hasn't got that interfacing inside it to give it more stability. That's where one of the confusions comes in because the main job of interfacing is to stabilise the item and you would think that therefore it would be called a stabiliser and you can see why those two words get often muddled between them. It's often used in bags, again to give structure to the bag rather than just having floppy fabric. It enables the bag to be the shape and maintain the shape that it's created to have. So that's kind of a very quick run through of interfacing. And again, check the pattern as it will usually give you a lot more information, particularly when using iron on or the fusible interfacing. 
I would always recommend testing a small piece on a scrap piece of fabric, really paying attention to the ironing instructions on both the interfacing and the fabric itself, because it's very easy to have the iron too hot and to either melt the interfacing or the fabric. The difficulty is obviously if you've got a fabric that can only be ironed at very, very low temperatures and if the interfacing needs a higher temperature in order to actually melt the adhesive so that it sticks, there could be an issue there because you would need the iron hot enough to melt the adhesive, but then that would be too hot and it would melt the fabric. So there are some instances where they might not be so compatible together. But again, make sure you're checking the instructions on those and testing on a small piece of fabric first. You don't want to be ironing onto large pieces and suddenly discovering that your whole thing is a melted mess. Not only wasting fabric, but I hate getting melted messes on my iron because it's such a nuisance to get rid of. Also, it's a good idea to actually iron the interfacing on first onto the fabric before placing the pattern piece on and cutting it out. I know in some instructions it suggests that you cut the pattern piece out and you cut the interfacing piece out. And obviously that's fine if it's going to be an interfacing that's not ironed on. But particularly with iron-on interfacing, because it can shrink the fabric slightly while you're ironing, it's always worth to iron the two together and then cut them out. And obviously, if you've got several pieces, you can iron a particularly large piece and then lay the shapes onto that and cut round them after you've previously cut out all your other pieces on the plain fabric. Makes things much quicker and really helps with the process and making sure that the interfacing and the fabric piece are exactly the same size because no matter how perfectly you cut out it's very difficult to get them exactly the same size and often when you iron them on you have like little bits of interfacing poking out that then stick to your ironing board or bits of fabric poking out that haven't got the interface and then they start to fray and all of that kind of stuff so very useful to do it with that method. Going back to stabiliser, stabiliser is removed from what it is, it's not kept in the finished item and comes in tear away versions, wash away or cut away. Basically the thing being here that somehow you've got to get rid of it at the end, you don't want it to be in the finished item. I haven't ever tried cut away. Um, obviously there would be pieces left under your stitching potentially as to how that works and I think I'd be a bit worried that I'd end up cutting into the fabric by accident and I just haven't seen that around or, or tried that particular method. I have got tear away as my main method I've used. I have had some wash away that I've not had amazing success with in the past but I think it was just the techniques that I was trying to do it with. I wanted to create some lacy embroidery where you want the interfacing to complete, sorry, the stabiliser even, I'm getting in a muddle, the stabiliser to completely disappear. Um, so I'm not going to talk about that one today, but I will share with you about the stabilizers of the tearaway varieties that I've tried. The reason for using stabilizing on fabric is that it's placed under the thing that you're working on when you are doing stitch work. This would obviously be for the free motion applique, but also if you were doing other types of embroidery, whether on a normal machine or whether on a 
um, dedicated computerized embroidery machines that either have designs programmed into them or that you connect up to the computer. Really, really important to use stabilizer to keep the fabric flat and also to stop the stitches from puckering up the fabric, from pulling too tight, whether on the top of the fabric or on the reverse of the fabric. And so it's a vital um, piece of product, if you like, that, that's needed to help do that stabilisation. You can get iron-on, you can get stick-on. So there is a variety of ways of attaching this stabiliser. I don't use either of those, never tried iron-on or sticky stabiliser. I just pin mine to my fabric. If some versions of embroidery, you might have it in a hoop. And if it's in one of the computerised machines, it would definitely be in the hoop because it's the hoop that moves around that the machine uses to to help it stitch. So as I said, I've tried tear away stabilizer and there's kind of three main types that I've tried recently or brands I bought a very cheap one from my local shop it was 50p a meter which is oh probably about 70 cents American cents a rough rough idea there so it was very cheap per meter and it was what I had easy access to so decided to try some of that and I have to say it worked but it wasn't great. It was very stiff, so it did do a good job of stabilising, but it felt very rough in my hands, wasn't nice to use, um, wasn't the greatest at tearing away, but if I had nothing else, it would definitely be usable and would work. I then went to another craft shop that had the sulky tear away and decided I'd try some of this. It was said it was very soft. I thought that sounds great because if there's any pieces that get left behind, it's very difficult sometimes to get the tiny little pieces out of the back that are caught between the two lines of free motion stitching when you're going over a design more than once, which I like that effect because it makes it look more hand-drawn, but also it means that there can be some stabilizer that gets stuck on the back so I decided to try this very expensive sulky tearaway um, and I would take a guess that it was probably 10 times the price of the other one that I'd bought I'm not even sure whether there was a meter in the package or not and it was about five pounds so it was a lot more money but it was a lot easier to tear away. It was lovely to use. The pieces that were left behind were much softer. I haven't felt since they've been in the wash because obviously that can also have an effect as to whether they go soggy and sometimes are even removed in the wash. But that was lovely to use. But I have to say, I don't know if I could really justify the cost long term if I was doing a lot of free motion applique, which I seem to be doing at the moment. I also then decided to order some off eBay and had been recommended in some of the places I've been reading about Stabilizer, something called Waffle Tearaway. And this has kind of got these little tiny dents in it, not quite holes, but there's a definite texture to it, rather than the kind of like, more like handmade paper um, texture that you seem to get on some of the other tearaway stabilizers. And it is kind of a bit more plasticky, for want of a better word. It tears away easily. It's nice and soft. The only thing that I did find is that it doesn't seem to move around quite as easily when I'm actually moving the fabric while I'm actually doing the the applique. I don't know whether it's because of that slight plasticiness that it seems to stick very slightly to the base of the sewing machine, the plastic there. I don't know. It, it worked great. And I have to say, if I'm trying to choose one out of the three that I've had to use 
um, again and again, this would be the one that I would go for because in terms of cost versus quality, that's the best for me. Um, It was a lot cheaper than the expensive one, but obviously more expensive than the very cheapest one. And I got five meters for five pound on eBay. So in terms of price, it was okay. And I've got lots of it left to use. It tore away fine. There were some little pieces left stuck between, but they were soft. So even if they were left in, I wouldn't be so concerned. I don't think they're as likely to wash out because of the slight plasticky nature than the the other two um, products that I used. But again, I think that it's it's fine. My daughter hasn't complained that it's itchy or scratchy or annoying her, which she's very, very fussy on those kind of things. So as I said, that's the one that I'd probably go for again in future. But I'm very much open to trying different ones. I don't think I would stretch as far as the most expensive one again. It was it was lovely, but I don't feel that it was worth all the extra for me. But obviously, for you, give it a try. Try the ones you can get hold of easily. But if you feel like it's not working... Don't blame your technique. It could be that the stabiliser is not as good as it could be and and not helping you as far as being able to do the free motion applique. If you haven't tried free motion applique or FMA, definitely, definitely give it a go. I think a lot of the people who applied to test had thought about doing it at some point and hadn't ever got round to it. It was a technique that they'd seen, thought, oh, I wouldn't mind trying that one day, but hadn't got as far as actually trying it out. And so joined to be one of my testers as an opportunity to try it and also to kind of give them a bit of a deadline and And so that they didn't have to pay for it, either they could get the tutorial for free and have since been hooked. So definitely give it a go. You will need a darning foot for your machine, but these are easy to get hold of. And often, depending upon what package you get, I got one free with my machine, as you would have seen if you you saw the video of me opening it or, or when I was talking about it last time. And give it a go. Great fun to do. Great techniques. And of course, you'd need though that stabiliser, possibly interfacing depending on the method that you're using. So what have I been up to in my sewing room? Obviously, lots and lots of free motion applique, as I mentioned, making ones for gifts. Dudley the Dinosaur has been a popular gift for children that I've been making T-shirts for as birthday presents. But the main thing that I'd like to talk about today is the Darcy dress. It is by Daydreams Patterns. Unfortunately, I had to stop recording as my next door neighbour's ex-boyfriend decided to come round and stand outside the door and shouting and imploring and please, please, please and all sorts of other things you wouldn't want me to repeat on the podcast if I want to keep the clean rating. So I had to stop, then had to go and pick Bryony up from Montessori. So she's now here with me. She's watching one of her favourite things on my phone, My Little Pony, with her headphones on and eating her lunch. So hopefully she'll be nice and quiet so that I can continue the rest of the podcast and get this finished for today. So as I was saying, the what I've been sewing in my sewing room is the Darcy dress by Daydreams Patterns. It's an intermediate pattern in size 4 to 14 and I made the size 4 for Bryony and that's a great fit for her. It's made out of knit fabric. It has an empire line bodice optional stretch lace overlay which I've put on the version that I made. 
There are some pleats at the front, hidden pockets at the side, and it drapes beautifully. And it, it does need a particular type of fabric to make the pattern work as best as it can in terms of the design and how the, the skirt part of it falls. It also has a few different top options a singlet top, a raglan short sleeve top, which is the version that I did. And also there's a three quarter length sleeve raglan version as well. The suggested fabrics is using a rayon, which has lots and lots of drape. Um, the one that I chose was a lovely soft drapey fabric. It's got a slight shimmer in a kind of grey and blue bits to it. Really lovely fabric to look at. Managed to get it in the sale at my local fabric shop. Unfortunately, this is one of the worst fabrics I have ever worked with. It moves, it slides, it stretches. It looks lovely now that it's finished and Bryony wears it. But I have to say, I really didn't enjoy making it. In fact, it was that fabric that in trying to do the hems on the sleeves made me decide that I really needed to get a cover stitch because using the twin needles just wasn't working. It was pulling too tight no matter what I tried. And it's the sort of fabric that doesn't like being unpicked. So I, in the end, got my cover stitch and I'm loving that, more about that in a moment. The pattern itself is really detailed. It includes information, general information on sewing knit fabrics, a stretch factor chart, it's got the glossary, also diagrams and things of how to shorten and lengthen it to get the perfect fit. There's illustrations of the different versions. I know one of the things that a lot of people find frustrating about patterns, and even when you, when you see them deciding whether to buy them, is that all they have are photographs. And in some cases, they don't even show you the back of a photograph. So you have no idea what the back of the garment would look like. And also, it can be really tricky on just a photograph to see what the actual style of the, the garment is, where the detail is, where seams are, pleats, and all of that sort of thing. And this has got some lovely diagrams for all the different options available with the different type of tops, With as I mentioned, with the different raglan ones and and the singlet top. So lots and lots of detail in the pattern with photos and illustrations and things like that. As far as the making of it goes, it generally went together really well. I think the pattern pieces and things are great. I think where there was difficulties with it going together, it was more operator error, in other words, me, than a result of the pattern itself. When I did the neck binding... I did it late one evening when Bryony was in bed and really wasn't paying a great deal of attention and reading the instructions carefully. And I just put the neck binding on how I would usually do on a T-shirt and then afterwards realised that I should have done a different method for it, which probably would have made it lay flatter and been a bit nicer for it for the dress. But I wasn't intending to take it off and start again. So what we've got is what we've got. And I'm still happy with the way it looks. I had to work really slowly because, as I said, the way that the fabric kept moving. And also I found, I don't know whether my hands were a little bit rough, but I did find that they were also catching on the fabric and wanting to move it this way and that way. Um, I did the pleats, as it said, in the pattern and did a, a stitch to just secure those in place temporarily. And I think they moved again. And by the time I then went to put the pattern onto... The, sorry, the skirt onto the top. The skirt was way, way bigger than the top, even though they were supposed to be the same size. So I ended up unpicking 
all of those stitches and actually doing the pleats straight onto the skirt the sorry the pleats of the skirt straight onto the bodice so I was folding and pleating and pinning it at the same time rather than just securing that first with basting stitches and then adding the two together and for me that worked a lot better just because I think of the nature of the fabric that I was using Bryony tried it on this morning and even before I'd managed to do the hem and a few of the other last minute things that I needed to do on it and she was able to fit that great, loved it, really pleased with it and as we're going out to the park later this afternoon I'm going to take it and hope that I can get some nice photos that I can then add along with the the podcast on the blog. Looking forward to that. I have to say I really like it and I'm really pleased with it. I look forward to making another version of it, possibly a three-quarter length sleeve one, sleeve one. Next time I might do a version that doesn't have the lace on it. Bryony, can you be really, really quiet, please, while I'm trying to record? You want a hug? Okay, just while I give her a very, very quick hug. Okay, sweetheart, you carry on there. You carry on watching your My Little Pony. And I will... Probably not put the lace on next time so it doesn't look quite as dressy. As I've, I've said to her, this is going to be a church dress as it's that it's so lovely that it's not going to be a kind of general play dress. And I probably would make one next time without the lace and I might try a different fabric, different type of fabric that's not quite as slippery and a bit nicer to work with. So I am looking forward to doing another one in the future. When she tried it on this morning, she did want to be able to wear it to Montessori which I said no it's not finished but definitely not a Montessori dress particularly after what happened last week where she went wearing one of the mermaid tops that I'd made her just finished it that morning she put it on went off to Montessori and when I collected her it was in a bag because she'd been playing in the mud kitchen and it was covered in mud I haven't managed to get it clean yet I've passed it on to my mum who is the queen of stains she was on holiday at the time so couldn't work on it and I'm hoping that it will be wearable again in the future but this is definitely not one of those sort of dresses so I think I've rambled on perhaps enough for today. Hope you still enjoyed listening. Would love to hear any comments. Head over to iTunes, leave a review or, or, or a star rating. Drop me an email. Find me on the Bishy Barnababes blog. Loads of different ways to get in contact and I'd love to hear what you think of the podcast. Anyway, take care till next time and have fun sewing in your sewing room or wherever else you get to work. Take care for now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.